Welcome to Strange Deer, your weekly podcast about the strange but true stories behind your favorite works of fiction. Hosted by Juliana Valente and Kay Cook. So, yeah, like I said, I just want to give you some warning before we fade in on, hi everybody, it's Kay. Hi, it's Juliana. Still on the road. Uh, in fact, um, in in the sense of, although soon we'll be in the same room again, you're you're right up to this your show going up, aren't you, Juliana? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, previews or invited dresses. The uh, class theater Raleigh. Then opening night is tomorrow night. I'm so excited for you. And you took over their Instagram. I see. I saved this to talk about when we're actually recording. That was cute. <laughs> Good job. I loved it. I was like, look, it's her cast and look, it's things. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Uh, I was, I was nervous to do it actually. Cause I was the first, they, t- they, she contacted me late Monday night. Um, like around midnight. Oh, minute. Like the last one. <laughs> hey, so take over like, our social sure. media. <laughs> why not? That's the nice thing about social media is that it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. You have to think about it a little bit, but, mm. and did you notice at one point I held my uh, phone? I wish. Landscape instead of, I was, I wasn't thinking, you know, like normally when you take pictures, you want to do, we all expect it to fix itself and then until it doesn't. And it's always when you're alive. I know exactly how that goes down. And then you look like you're 80 and you've been handed this thing called a remote for the TV Uh, or further back. How do I turn on the photograph? (laughs) What does this do? Um, yeah, so I'm excited for you. I am. It's so funny. I was thinking about this the other day because we've kind of done a flip flop in a way. Because I remember earlier this year when I was jumping from show to show and always being backstage and being like, "Well, we had rehearsal late last night," and you were doing things but not quite as busy. So like now I'm the one who's more home bodying right now and like our show together. <laughs> deeper thought crap you know like like I there are 1776 rehearsals but I'm like I have like it's just it's the summer it's been slower and I'm letting it I, I'm enjoying that I think I even talked about that a few weeks ago to be like it's a bit of a slowdown right now and I'm letting myself enjoy that I'm doing some reading I'm doing some reflecting lots of journaling um, which I, I think I'm going to get into and what's making me strange this week a little bit. Um, but yeah, this week we're kind of going to let what's in our minds kind of dictate the content again. Um, Juliana might be a little bit more on theater than I will be just because part of my life is turned <laughs> into free form watching things, but I think it will connect back to craft in my mind. Also, my notes are written all higgledy piggledy. So we will see how this goes. You know that I'm going to go no notes today. Oh, oh, get ready, folks. It's Juliana on, uh, we're working without a net today. No net and extra caffeine. I just have to ask you, who's a net? Exciting. But I'm ching dad jokes. I'll be over here if you need me. alluded to what you're talking about Juliana and I'm very intrigued we had a lot of we had off mic conversation this week so you guys don't get to know but we know so what really spilled the tea what's been in your mind tea spiller um so uh, you know I'm in the middle of a show in the middle of of putting a show up we're about to open really I think like all the work is like before when it's actually running Mm -hmm. um I just need sleep yeah right uh, you know what I mean? Sleep and hydration. We talk about those are two of the best things you can do to maintain yeah. your instrument. So, my space, you know, it's like I feel like it kind of like 
uh, compresses files and just kind of puts it away before we actually go into the run of a show. Right, yep. So I have room to prepare for something else. So since we're opening tomorrow night, I am in the space where I know that this week, specifically um, with 1776 and a couple other shows, I'm going to be starting to look at uh, getting off book yep. for those two shows. So that's what I want to talk about Yay. this week. I want to just talk about um, actor process because I know you and I have different processes, even though some of the things we do are, are going to be similar. Mm -hmm. And um, our fellow strange dears out there, everyone's got a different process. So I just wanted to chat about that. Um, because I am also an acting teacher, um, this is something that I think about and talk about. And it, because, uh, because I'm a performer, it evolves. Right. Yeah, exactly. I do not approach material the same way I did what even five, six years ago. That's same. Yeah. yeah. Same. So I just, you know, I just want to talk about that. I'm curious about what your processes are. I'm getting, um, stabbed by an underwire. Oh, well, is that part of your process? <laughs> Look, we're sharing. Part of my process is being open and honest with the material and everything I'm feeling in a given moment and having, no. Uh, yeah, no. This is a bit of a rabbit trail, but on that point, because I feel like I'm so open and honest about so many things in my acting preparation, I think that's why in my private, personal life, I'm like, <laughs> like I need to have something that's behind the door. Yeah. yeah. This is private. You, no, you do not get in here. You no. do not get to hear all well, the funny things. It's funny for me because I, th I feel like I spent most of my childhood keeping it all in here and really huh. to my detriment of not talking to anybody. Hey, only child. Hey, socially awkward parents who didn't really have friends. Uh, oh, we, we weren't hosting big parties. We weren't, we weren't out on the lanai, you know, entertaining 20 people. This is yes. all adult case discoveries. Um, so I think, yeah, I think when it comes from... I am going to tie this back to my process now. Uh, um, I, and I sort of have alluded to this in like, we we, have, we had a text exchange with our good friend, our dear Michael, uh, who I think it's now going to become another strange dear trope that we literally name check him in every single uh, yeah. episode. Uh, which <laughs> we got we know, it. We've got to get him on. We know he'll love. Um, but I was very surface in approach to the material, very mechanical. And that also is, a function of how much tech I've done. I know that. I, I know for a fact. So I would routinely get called out on, well, what's underneath what you're saying right now. Like that was, which feels so 101, but it was really something I struggled with for so long. Um, and I, I've come to a place now where I recognize if I am being very mechanical, it's because I haven't done the what is going on underneath this in this moment. Um, and sometimes that's easier to unlock than other times. But um, I think it's, you know, I, I would get so, yeah, nuts and bolts is the way I'm going to put this, that sometimes literally the stuff that makes the character underneath was missing. And that took until almost the end of college for me to start unlocking that a little bit. And I realized that it was mostly because Kay personally had like this distance from her emotions and keeping things locked in and underneath because we didn't talk about that in my house. So uh, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's kind of, I guess that sort of answers your question in a way, or at least gives you a little light into how this brain works. God knows, I'm never even sure. But <laughs> so, where's your? We, we've talked a lot about process, but I'm handing that back to you now for you. I want to start uh, with auditions mm -hmm. because <laughs> we that's where it all starts. I, I yeah. <laughs> but I but I always say this, and this is absolutely true. Uh, this has not changed um, 
for me uh, is to approach auditions as if I'm approaching a rehearsal mm -hmm. and to re approach each rehearsal as my next audition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. That gives me context. So we want to talk about like the mechanical and why it's easy for me to put on a producer hat and why it's easy for me to work very, very, very hard on an audition, not get it and be okay. Okay. Yeah. Which is um, great. That's, that's so much of a struggle for people who audition, 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 and don't book it. So that's, that's, I love that. Yeah. So this is what I do. Again, I've got a like big disclaimer here. This is what I do. I'm very different. Kay and I are different people. We always do this. We're always like, I'm not an expert, but here's yeah, what I yeah. Please, please. Uh, Boiler plate. Your own <laughs> acting teacher, your own, go to class, you know, do it for real. We I are just going to be talking about what we do and if you get something that you can use amazing mm -hmm. um, but like don't you know whatever yeah okay so starting with an audition let's start with first round auditions let's say where there are sides provided and maybe they're cold reading um i think it's really really valuable to practice cold reading you know a lot of actors young actors i'm talking about like the high school students that i teach they don't and voice as well because it's not an instrument or a sport uh, that you can like go practice um, and be like super accountable for it, most of practice as an actor and singer is self-guided when you're at home and you've got to really be, um, you've got to figure out what, what works for you. You know, like for me, for voice, um, I take the recordings of my voice lessons and I feel like I'm living with my voice teacher right now because I'm doing so many of our stuff, you know, because I sing in this show. Well, yeah, we were I'm saying off camera before we started that you're doing, it's a play, but it's a play right. with singing. So it's one of those weird fusion pieces. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's, it's a play about Maria Kailas and she's teaching a master class and she has three students mm -hmm. um, that come in and sing for her. So and each of the students are opera singers. So I'm one of those opera fusion. singers. So fusion. Yep. Yeah, yeah, so it's a play. In fact, one of the best lines, can I say this? You can cut this if you want. One of the best lines is uh, the pianist, I'm about to sing. The pianist asks, with music? And she says, yes, with music. This isn't a play. <laughs> oh, look what they did, poking the fabric. Yes. Fourth wall, <laughs> poke, 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 poke. That line cracks me up every time. Okay. So here we are, audition work. Okay, so cold reading. Yes. One can practice cold reading. Oh, yeah. Right. Totally. You know, here's, there are some perceived disadvantages to being a mother in this theater world. Yes. But one of the advantages is you have so many opportunities to practice character, character voices, physicality, and yes, cold reading. Uh, okay. I have read hundreds of children's books yes and many of those books are like on repeat mm -hmm. and you know there's all the, always the telling of stories yeah um, i ha so i have an advantage i get an opportunity to read you know like some of the favorite books you know we're gonna switch it up this time instead of cockney uh this character <laughs> is gonna be from louisiana you know oh man but yeah. but here's another thing and this it's all it's all the skill set yeah this ties into our um, contemporary plays and reading plays. Mm -hmm. um, if you are reading plays on the regular, um, you just, it's, um, you know, it's like when you go to 
to France and and I have just like a barely like I can get a I can get by in France but I can't have a conversation with a French person. I'm sorry, I'm cackling. I'm cackling because of how casually like you know when you go to France and I was like, Yes, I go there three times a week. It's it's the thing. In my mind. Oh. And as Jefferson I go there for real. But no. But you you uh, immerse yourself in the culture for just a little bit, yeah. and a lot of things start clicking that you didn't know that you knew. So like vocabulary words, you're like, I never really studied those vocabulary words, but you see it everywhere. <laughs> Therefore, I know that practical application. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Practical application. It's <laughs> nothing quite like that. Yeah. So similar to the reading of plays. Um, when you're reading them in a certain brain space, uh, you start to see patterns, you start to see functions, you start to see um, devices yep. all the time. And and so you're going to, the more plays you read, and, and you know, treat, you know, if you're reading a play a week, treat it as a cold reading a week. Why not? Okay. Why not with other characters? Why not, you know, just, well, the thing to practice is practice going all in. Right. That's. Mm-hmm. Don't hold back. This is your chance. Yeah. One thing that you can practice. Okay. But then, but then you've got the callback and they say this all the time. The callback, no, no way should you think that you've got the part by going to the callback. Yeah. 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 Externally, Mm -hmm. internally prepare as if you just got the role and this is your first rehearsal. Right. Because that's honestly what they're looking at. They're, they want... <laughs> they want to, they, they've called through the pool, and now they want to put together the people who they could really see themselves in the room with. So bringing that energy is no, absolutely correct. Yeah, and they want yeah. to see your energy. They want to see how you work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So pr- approaching it from that way is super smart, super smart. Yeah, and in so, in so much so that, that you're flexible. I mean, you um, work really hard. So, yeah, you want to be off book. For callbacks as much as possible, you want to hold your sides. You also want to know how to hold your sides at a height that doesn't hide your face, but still, um, yeah. But you, but I'm ready you, to perform now. <laughs> I bet you're not going down. These are all really, really basic things. But here's the thing. We all say we know them. We all learned them in college. We all learned them in our audition workshop, but we don't practice them. There's no reason in the world why we can't say, okay, I'm going to do 15 minutes of audition rehearsal, and I'm going to practice holding my side. And I'm going to practice doing this thing, and you know, don't look, don't do it in a mirror. Maybe record yourself or whatever. Um, well, I was going to say I'm going to, I might drop in a thing that I know you still always. It's it's looking at yourself on camera. As much as you're uncomfortable with it, you got to do it because that's truly the only way you get an outer eye view of what you're presenting. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Here's another thing. You can totally cut this, but I I have learned uh, over the past couple of years, and specifically in this show, I have an asymmetrical smile. Mm-hmm. And it looks, it's usually this side right here. <laughs> Which is murky and like, you, yeah, I got it, got it. It looks like what I don't mean. I don't know why I do it. Our faces do fun things, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all about, actually, in my college voice instructor um, called me out on like lifting this side of my face. Right. And I did not know what he meant. Ten years later... Uh, I figure it out. It's something I do all the time. And so, like, ah, I work on getting more symmetrical. That was like, unless I want to be. I told you my professor was like, your eye contact, what are you doing? Why can't you even look at me right now? And I was like, oh, because I'm very repressed and very in my own head right now. Like, he was like, you can't make a connection with anybody if you don't make solid eye contact right now, honey. And then further, yeah, it was a huge problem for me. I would never guess that. I, I, who? because I worked on it. Because I was terrified. Like, I... (laughs) 
The other thing I had, hey, guess what? It's share day on this program. I had a lazy eye when I was a kid. My right eye, yes, my right eye um, was uh, going rogue, doing its own thing on a different page. Sometimes literally. Um, so my parents were lucky enough. It didn't require surgery or anything, but it was it was an eye patch situation. Uh, and what they do, yeah, yeah, they patch they patch your good eye, your aligned eye, which forces okay. the lazy eye to do all the work. So yeah. uh, for me, it was my left and my right did all the work. But one of the things, and it worked out and it's great, and I haven't had a problem since. But every once in a while, if you catch my left drooping, it's just because it started to get a little bit like. So I've got a little low lid on one side. Um, again, it's another thing that I watch since, since we started doing the show, I'm like, how's my eyes doing today? Kay? how are we doing? Or am I doing this again? Because like, again, it fixed itself, but you know, and these are the things, again, you only become aware of with an outside eye looking at you. That's and right. as much as we might hate it, it's so funny when I think about, we started doing this, Juliana, I was like, yeah, you're going to see yourself on camera. A lot. <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> I love that face. I think you're smiling on both sides. Um, so look, now we've shared and learned things about each other yeah. today. And I thought this was going to be a, you know, I wasn't sure what the content would be today. Okay. So here's another thing uh, to think about that I think about uh, mm -hmm. when I'm going in to callbacks. Again, I'm, I'm preparing my character. I'm totally preparing as if I have the role. Mm-hmm. Right. And then my, but my demeanor should be like, Hey, I'm here. If you want to plug me in, plug me in. If you yeah. don't, I'll be okay. Yep. And I will. And you will too. <laughs> we'll all be fine. We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. <laughs> Especially because if you ever get on the other side of the table, oh. just do it. If you are having trouble Good Lord giving God. perspective to your audition, figure out how to get on the other side of the table to observe, be oh. somebody's assistant, uh -huh. be somebody's stage manager. Yeah somebody's assistant director just get behind the table and you will it'll click doing that enough loosened up my terror about um well it must be something i did is the reason i didn't get this part like that was how in my head i could be about it and i was like no 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 you, you know honestly a lot of times the casting panel gets like especially if it's a paying gig if it's a pro gig you got like a dozen people in front of you like they could all do this and they were all really good and we're it's matching it's look it's it's so subjective yeah. Um, it's truly the part of it you can't control. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so two things that I have found very helpful in a callback instance, we want to be flexible. Um, and so, so re the, the term redirection, I want to be, okay, I'm struggling because I feel like a lot, most of our strange deers are obvi are you know, fellow actors. So I, I, um, I don't mind using jargon, but yeah. I want to be careful. So feel free to like <laughs> butt in if I'm, all right. I'm explaining something. Okay. But the, uh, the redress that we typically get from a director is not always because we've done something wrong, but frequently can you, can this actor do something a different way or how did they respond to being asked to do something that they haven't, you know, spot on yeah. prepared to do. Right. Yep. So knowing that, that, that redirect is not a personal offense. And for some reason I see people get offended by it or, or, or you know, shook by it. Yeah, 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 well, they're like, oh, that must mean I've made a mistake. And that's the fundamental thing. I always, you know, leave your ego out of the room. You know, just yeah. just do it. Just do it. Yeah. So have at your, and your fingertips, uh, handy, the idea of tropes and types. Um, knowing that you were, 
don't ever try to guess why you were called in for something, right? You'll just make yourself crazy. Literally, right. It, it is an exercise in nothing helpful. Yeah. And, and don't try to, to uh, convince yourself that you shouldn't be there, you know, whatever. Right. But, but if you're given a redirect, um, tr you know, do, do a split second thing of, are they asking for me to be a different type? Or are they asking me to have a different circumstance? Right. Because I feel like those things sometimes get confused in people's minds in the spur of the moment. And so they all of a sudden become like a totally different person. Mm -hmm. um, so just try to understand, and we can get into this okay. you know, later, but uh, just have an understanding as you're reading, as you're preparing for your callback, and this is something I do, uh, is okay, if, if this were a different type, how might this play? You know, if I didn't look the way I look, you know, mm -hmm. or, if, um, or if my circumstance, specific circumstance is different. Um, okay, then we're gonna move on from callbacks. Let's say you get the roll. Yay, snaps, yes. <laughs> okay, there's two things to build, and actually you, you started by talking about the, the kind of like mechanics of it. Yeah. And I would put things like, um, memorization, blocking, um, stage business, right? Mm -hmm. okay. Those things of like the mechanics. Monkey brain, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. What needs to happen when? Yep. And what words are said? And then there is this other kind. Of, well, I think of it as like the spiritual side. Yeah. So we got the physical side and the spiritual side right. of like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ingesting the character and like, yeah. you know, becoming the character. And, um, and with that, there's also the understanding of the period that the piece is written in. Correct. Um, so let's say that you're doing an, a, a modern version of something Shakespeare. Well, do your research and also figure out like the context that it was actually written right. to be in so that you, so that you can translate. It, no, it's really important that you pick something that is written of one era, but then they push it forward in time. Because I think that can be confusing for some people. It's like, well, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you're talking about a dagger versus a sword, and then you try to make it modern, that might not make that so much of a difference to us. But in the 16th century, Correct. Uh, it maybe did make a huge difference if you're talking daggers versus swords. Right. Okay. Um, so there's the, the kind of like research type. I, and I consider this spiritual side, the quiet side. Agreed. Um, th this is actually quiet too. Being an actor and preparing for, as an actor is a lot more quiet than people think. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. I don't know. Yes. I feel like the only time I like actually um, raise my voice in a character, as a character, is, is on stage. But uh, the things that we're preparing for, so getting off book, this is a big thing I, I did want to talk about. How do you get off book? Oh gosh, sure. I feel like you're one of those actors. It's like yeah, every, well, everybody's got their memorization technique that works for them. Yeah, what works? What works? For, what do you do? I actually, when I well, the actual memorizing it, I handwrite things back out. Believe it or not, because that How do, you do that. Yeah, it's it just it puts it in a different place for me because I also yeah. do a lot of writing and it it just it embeds it in a different place. And then once yes. I'm in that space with it. Um, very, very nuts and bolts. I, if, if available to have the other actor record their lines. So I have tracks that I can yeah. practice to, 
Um, but I don't know if I'm reading ahead on you here or if you're literally just talking about inside me. Because yeah. the other part of memorizing it for me is not just sitting there and reading it and writing it out, but then hearing it and putting it in that active space where I can react to it while I'm, you know, standing, walking around the kitchen, doing dishes, whatever it is. Um, I'm big on rehearsing lines in the car, even if I'm three or four performances into a show. Um, I can pull up the track that I generated from that scene where maybe I dropped something the night before and I'll spit those lines back and forth just to just to run it in there like that that's me and again it's coming from a very mechanical place but um that's yeah this is a mechanical aspect memorization is yeah, mechanical. yeah 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 it totally is um yeah so I um I do I do this all like similar things writing it out I do that actually when I'm um trying to memorize foreign language I think especially yes yes dang totally the, um the time requirement out of it mm. You know, to think of the next word, we're more comfortable, I find, I'm more comfortable pausing with a pen to think of the next word than, you know what I'm saying? We sometimes get in our head because yeah. we don't have the next word. Uh -huh. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Yeah. So, yes, that's been helpful for me. Um, or I will write out my, um, okay, this is a nerd thing. It's okay. I'm fully... Like understanding if it's too nerdy. Um, okay, in in Shakespeare we have the meter. Yep. Uh, so whenever I'm doing Shakespeare or anything written in meter, I will actually memorize it in the meter. I will memorize and I'll snap and I'll make a recording of myself doing it. In truth, I know not why I am so sad. Yep. Well, it was written that way for a reason. Da 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 da. -da. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, that gets in my head. So what do I do when something is in prose? I'll actually write it out in close to iambic pentameter and mm -hmm. record the same thing, and I snap. If you, I have hours of rehearsal um, voice memos of me. <laughs> snapping. Snapping. I wish I could. Um, I can't. I never know. Oh, wait. Well, that's sort of snap. snap? I can't. I can't snap. Actually, this is wow. This is really turning into K shares. Lazy eye. I can't snap. Other than that, she's fine. <laughs> Yay! Right. Oh gosh. And I'll snap for like the other characters' lines or whatever. That is my own weird little thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'll just I'll memorize everything I. Um, so I did this with Venus and Fur. I did this with Oleana. I did this uh, with the show I'm in now. Even though I don't have a, it's not a hugely demanding role, no. uh, there's two speeches. Yep. And I memorized those in a meter. Um, that, I think, um, be maybe because I'm a musician. I was about to say, this is this is feeling very much like someone with a music background. Uh, yeah, it, it feels like memorizing a song. And then it's yeah. easier for me, me, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I hate prescribing. Okay. Uh, yeah. it, it's easier for me to then play with the text. Right, yeah. I don't know why I am so sad. Or get a redirect. You can't, well, you can't. No, not why. You know, I can play a little bit more when there's the meter. You can't color outside the lines until you know where the lines are. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Because, because I'm never going to go give my speech, uh, she is the sun and Juliet is in the east. You know, like, I'm never going to actually speak like that. Right. But it's ticking away in my head. And so I can, I feel like I can play with the rubato. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so that's my thing. Here's my other thing. Yeah. Did we talk about this memory palace? 
work. Maybe. Um, this is a uh, like you've maybe seen it on Sherlock. Do you did you do you watch the new Sherlock with? Oh, adore the new Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch and Marty Freeman, uh, Martin Freeman. Yeah. yeah. So every now and then you see him going through the like going through his memory palace. Yes. Um, that's a that's a thing. That's an ancient ancient thing. Yeah. Um, the idea of loci um, traveling through a location in your mind. There's a lot of good information out there about. Um, building memory palaces. So I am not going to pretend like I'm an expert on this. I'm just saying if this is interesting to you at all, uh, use the Google machine. The Google. And the YouTube machine to figure this out. But for example, this is my um, script book right now. And I actually have three scripts in here for the next three shows that I'm doing. Um, but yep. on the cover is my, is the first floor of my memory palace, which is actually the Biltmore estate. Wow. <laughs> North Carolina. Um, so I am such a visual person, um, but I learn kinetically as well. Yep. Like I like to get on the treadmill to memorize. I like to. Yes. Yes. Move around. A lot of people are like that. I'm not mm. special. But um. Well, pursuant so, to me recording my lines so I can run on my feet, like that's yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's something about engaging that other part of your brain, uh, uh, getting, making it get busy doing something else so that you can just. Because acting is a full body experience. Imagine that. Uh, <laughs> I can't speak. <laughs> Ooh, all right. Uh, so anyway, some people do their memory palaces as a, um, a made up place. I happen to be obsessed with architecture. Yes. And so yes, these you are. Use um, actual like one of my favorite places in the whole world is Beltmore. This is the Beltmore. Uh, there's um, four floors. So uh, depending on how long the piece is. Uh, yeah, you know, you got a lot of places to, to put your. Yeah. But maybe this is what I use, and I keep it. I keep it with me, and I use the visual of the blueprint um, when I'm deciding where each chunk of, of dialogue belongs in my palace. Right. <clears throat> I, I map it out again, like all these little tricks of yeah. like setting up your strategy. You're I'm working memory as I'm going along. I'm playing yeah. a game, but I'm also memorizing, you know, yeah, you totally. know just, as, just as I'm breaking it apart. But, you know, like from the um, from the callbacks, I've already memorized a good chunk of the material. Right. Right. They've given me sides. I've yeah. memorized it. So I don't have that much further to go after I have the part. Um, and just something else to think about, and this is this this really got me thinking. Um, Brian Koppelman, you've maybe heard me talk about him before. He's the guy, the the creator and writer of Billions. Right. Uh, he did Rounders before that. Um, he has a podcast called The Moment. I think if you're in any way um, deal with the, this craft of acting or um, film, TV, stage work. He has wonderful interviews. I cannot recommend it enough. And I actually have a Google alert. <laughs> For when it drops? Because that's amazing. No. Uh, no, because I get those. those You're like, no, awesome. that I got. That those, I know. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, yeah, I get the podcast alerts. But also I have a Google alert for when he's in the news because he gives so many interviews as well. Nice. He's very generous. Um, about the craft and about the creative process. And so um, there, there's an article that came out last month uh, for an interview that he did for uh, a website called Recode. Okay. And um, he has this wonderful quote, and uh, it's, let me just read it. Um, so he's asked a question 
um, you get to see what life looks like, uh, what it does and doesn't look like, and then what's the tension between saying, well, this is what it really looks like, and if we wanted to do it faithfully, it should look like this, versus we need to make something that's going to be working on TV and get a bigger audience. Okay, so that's the question. That's, his, yep, that, yep. that's what he's answering here. This is his response. Well, sure, with the stock stuff. But we learned from our early movies, you know, the more specific you are and the more accurate you are to the real thing, somehow the more universal it feels. People recognize it. You never lose by being super specific and super real, we don't think. There are times you might compress a time. Probably the most common thing you do in any tele televised drama is to compress the time frame. I, I just feel like that's such an important nugget to understand. And if you're in an acting class, you more than likely are working on this all the time. Mm. But I'm still reminding myself, you know, again, when you get notes from your director, even during the show, and obviously during redirections in an audition setting, um, go very specific. It, that's why I say at your fingertips, have a library. So if, if, the, the, if the director is asking you to be um, <clears throat> offended, um, by something. Instead, you, used, you let's say you naturally used to laugh. Your character used to laugh when, when someone yeah. would say something. <laughs> and now, you're, now your director wants you to be offended. Okay, don't be like, I am now, this is me offended. Just take that half second to be like, the last time I was, oh yeah, I'm offended. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Got it. I love it. Go. Um, and that to me has been more the idea of getting super specific. Um, I love, and I think it's so important as artists, whether we're directing or in a show, that we get super specific and not be afraid of being specific. The first time I, I got this, what I was out of college, um, was, or maybe I was in grad school, I don't remember what it is, but do you know the band The Killers? Yes. <laughs> I love The Killers so uh -huh. much. One of my favorite songs is Glamorous Indie Rock and Roll. Then lyrics to the first one. Two of us flipping through a thrift store magazine. She plays the drums. I'm on tambourine. Bet your, your bottom dollar on me. Okay. Just from that one little verse, I got it. How being specific, you win the universal emotion yeah. when you're very specific. Okay. I don't think I've ever sat in a thrift store flipping through a magazine. Literally. But because it's so specific, I it's, instantly have a picture and a feeling, and then bet your bottom dollar on me, I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm like, I know what that's about. You know, you know who's great about random but universal kind of things is Ben Folds. Yeah. Like, especially his solo stuff. Because yeah. uh, it sounds, uh, on the surface, you've got very, um, just kind of quirky, weird mental images he's giving you, but... Uh, like, I love Rock in the Suburbs, the entire album from end to end, his first big solo thing. I also love the Ben Folds five. But I, I hear you entirely as far as, like, it, it just makes it go, oh, God, yeah. Yeah. So what, we talk about practicing as an actor. You should have a radar. You should. I do. Yeah. If you want to, you can. I think. Lana takes a claim and then walks it back. I don't, yeah, like, I don't want to be bossy. But I think it's incredibly helpful to um, develop a radar for, oh, that's specific, or this thing, this piece of art is making me feel a very specific memory or feeling. Pay attention to those things. Yeah. You know, Kate was talking about building the, the inner life of the character. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. That story isn't, 
I get a little uh, tired of, I was born here. My mother was feeling this. I was the, like, da, 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 da. Those are helpful, I think. Biography, and, yeah, but it's not, it's under that. Right, that's biography, right. Mm -hmm. That's not what a backstory is. A backstory is, when I see this thing, I feel this. Yes. And it's neat to say, because my mother <laughs> never took me to this thing, you, you can. But it's because just- Because my father died when I was 14. <laughs> I have a problem getting close to people. Yes, that's right. So yeah, so I I try when I'm speaking to my acting students, is I do, I try, I avoid the word backstory because I, I well, don't love it's it. so I, tightly associated with yeah yeah biography, biography. which is they're and not I, synonyms, but they can be in a lot of minds. That, that's it, and I think unfortunately they are in a lot of um, undergrad programs yeah, um, agreed, to, to nobody's help. Um, so inner life, inner life is so much more quiet um, than writing out a biography. I, you know, I know people who have directors who ask them to come with a biography to first rehearsals. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we actually know. We did that all the time, in, at, not to pull it back in here, but in college, we did that all the time. Yeah. I, I, remember, I remember being, yeah, having to do that as well. And I guess it, for, it gets it, the juices flowing, so, it's your so I'm line. sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry if to diss anybody who does no, that. No, no, no. I mean, it, 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 the question is, is that do you use that as your platform to build from, or is, or do you never build off of that platform? I think is is what you're saying. You can you yeah. from there. Yeah. I think you know maybe because we were required to do that um, as college actors. Now we, it's automatic. Yeah. You know, I yep, yep. You automatically be like, okay, therefore I was born in. Uh, 1955 yeah and so well, that's why i'm this age at this point in time and so oh, like i feel like that's kind of like automatic that it's becomes like, like you were you born know? in 55 but what does that mean to how you absorb the world yes mm -hmm. exactly yep. exactly it's not just this like i'm not just then like preparing to walk on stage as i was born in 1955 i was born in 1955. <laughs> like that's not the thing that yes yes exactly thing. exactly yeah, yeah okay got the role preparing for it. We're getting off book. We're, we're, we're ready to do it. Here's my very last thing. I talk about this all the time. Be a good colleague. Yeah. Just try really hard. Cause remember I said, um, treat every, every rehearsal like your next audition. It really is. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, you yeah. and I are both in a place where we're, thank God getting people saying, I've worked with you before. I would like to work with you again. Here is a role. Yes. I, I mean, would you like to do this role instead? We are, um, hashtag blessed. <laughs> but also we've both worked for that. Right. Yep. And let's acknowledge that, um, there is a temperament that is easier to work with. And there is a work style yeah. that is, that is easy for people to work with. And you will, your reputation becomes so much more important. The more things you do, um, it becomes, it speaks for in place of your resume, right? Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting. new to our podcast i've never done that and i probably will never again i like it though <laughs> anyway so if you're new to strange dear um well first of all welcome hey please stick around uh we are theater centric we are kind of i think in a way sort of like great 
nuggets about life as well, even if you're not a theater person. Um, but you can find us all over social media. We're at Strange Deer on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Pinterest. Um, we go live every week on Thursday nights when we drop a new episode. Um, and yeah, we are a weekly podcast. Even though when we're crazy busy, we make sure we're out every week. So <laughs> look at us. Um, so follow along. We uh, you, You've seen all the little icons flying in if I'm doing my usual work here. Uh, you can literally find us at Strange Deer anywhere. Or if you'd like to uh, email us on the side, we are at strangebuttruedeer at gmail.com. Um, we're always looking for new ideas for episodes. Uh, maybe there's something currently in the news that you'd like to follow. Not like, maybe not politics, but if you're talking about something entertainment-wise, <laughs> we would love to give a chat on that. Um, got an idea for an episode? Just let us know. Okay. Yeah, so, um, so I'm going to start off my segment, Juliana, with a question for you. Okay. Um, and this is going to sound pretentious for a minute, but that's okay. We, we love to stick our disclaimers all over our episodes. Have you had that experience where you discover something very early on before it really catches fire? Um, and it gives you a weird ownership feeling on it. Um, but then you also catch yourself in your pretension and go, all right, well, you weren't the only person. Clearly this was put on Netflix for a reason. Um, no, what I want to talk about, cause I was originally going to make this, what's making me strange this week, but it occurred to me, this was not this week. I actually watched this probably about a month back. Um, okay. have you been hearing the buzz around a stand-up comedian named Hannah Gatsby and her special Nanette? Nanette. Yes. Yeah. Have you seen it? No, oh. uh, kind of on purpose because yep. I know I've heard, what I've heard from it. I need a little bit of time. I was headspace. You're reading ahead on me because I was like, you must watch this, Juliana. It so feeds into what we've done, but not while you're not while you're because we yeah you talked about having the bandwidth and Handmaid's yes, Tale and exactly. all that. It's but, on my list of like yes. with the Handmaid's Tale and it's I mentioned feeling proprietary on it only because now it's impossible to see this and like it was written up in the New Yorker like there, there are huge thing pieces on it now like you Google it's funny when I first watched this I, it must have been the day it was released just because it showed up in my feed and I went I need some fun stand-up comedy yeah. um, like there were no articles on it yet now literally Google will autofill if you type in Hannah with Gatsby like that's when you know things have sort of slid up a little yeah. um, so I was just like, oh, this could be a fun little night of stand-up comedy. She's Australian. She's, you know, she, she's the kind of comedian that personally resonates with me. I love A, female comedians, and B, ones who aren't like, look how pretty I am. Like, you know, it, it, I'm like, you're up there. You're talking about life. Like, I feel the same way about comedian Tig Notaro, um, yeah. who I've now seen live once. Wow. And, oh, my God. Tig, I feel I feel bad even calling her a comedian. She's oh no, Tig is just a slice of life person. She's and so much more than that, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because Nanette is actually getting comparisons to Tig Notaro's 2012 special Live. Yeah. Live. The wh however you want. Actually, it's kind of funny that it has that double read on it because very famously, um, do you know? Live. Yeah. Uh, basically, this was kind of the thing that built her career because some people shorthand her to the cancer comedian. Uh, she was doing a set at Largo very shortly after being diagnosed with breast cancer, and it wasn't just cancer, it was mom had died, girlfriend broke up with. Like, she is literally in a place where y the last thing you would think to do is, is joke. Like, and yet she's having this great career moment. She's like, it was so weird to watch my personal life falling apart while, like, my career starting to take off. 
Um, so she was like, I have these jokes written that are kind of my standard set, but I'm not feeling this right now. I just need to talk to you about where I'm at. And the comedy came out of the realness, came out of the sharing, like also her natural way of being like, that's her style. So, um, and with Tig, I actually, I, I, it was once the hype wagon had started, but it's so funny to see Nanette being compared to live, uh, live live whichever you want, because uh, Hannah Gadsby, and she talks about this in the special a little bit, I'm not going to spoil things for you horribly, Juliana, but she's from Tasmania, Smithton, Australia. Um, That's the tiny island that's off the mainland, which is by itself kind of funny. Uh, She's 40 years old. Um, She had her BA in uh, art history. And she and she's in stand-up comedy, but she would use her comedy in her art history work and like giving tours of museums and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. So that so that's kind of where that came from. Um, and this special in particular was filmed at the Sydney Opera House, um, so it's you know it's a it's a big audience, um, and it is being heavily connected to the hashtag Me Too movement yeah. because of where she goes with it. I'm just going to use the quote from the New Yorker here to talk about it. Uh, they call it a commentary on comedy itself, on what it conceals and how it can force the marginalized to partake in their own humiliation. Mm. There's a term. Like, none of this I knew going in. I was just like, oh, this is going to be a comedy special. And indeed, she starts off like your traditional comedian does. There are some nice, you know, calls out immediately. He's like, yes, I'm a lesbian and lesbian jokes and lesbians laugh differently. And like, like, it's just it's all the stuff you expect her to be kind of going for. And then she starts psychologically breaking down comedy. Ooh. And in, in a very, I'm, I'm making it sound dry, but it's not at all. She talks about kind of the contract you have as a comedian to make a mm-hmm. joke out of these, these things you experience. Mm-hmm. And then how it's implicitly understood, then you release the tension. Mm-hmm. It and the let it go. The build yeah. and let it go. And she's like, you know what? A lot of these jokes that I've just told you, I can't let go of the tension on this because here's what was happening behind it. Yeah. And here's why it's so hard for me to do comedy anymore. You know, it's, it's talked a lot kind of about how comedians are really the people with like uh, kind of tragic or something that they're hiding in their background. And, you know, it comes out most specifically when you have things like Robin Williams committing suicide and you find out all the things that were underneath it or how screwed up someone like Andy Kaufman was. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really use this as an active escape mechanism. And they are letting you laugh. What? Sorry. Or survival. Yeah. Oh, no, exactly. And um, I have to say, I think whether or not you're a stand-up comedian doing the circuit right now or whether you're just a person who occasionally laughs off something that actually was pretty epically bad for you, but you're trying to, like, let the other person know, it's okay. I don't want to make you feel bad because I went through this thing. We all naturally do that in our lives. And I think... In talking about building character, that's something, you know, that goes into every human's experience. So find those moments in your work as well. Um, Nanette is, again, I don't want to spoil this for you, um, deeply powerful, deeply. It, it took me to a place of utter silence in the middle of a, of a stand-up comedy routine. Wow. And going... This is this is deep. This is huge, and it takes it in a place that's very important. That I think people are doing themselves a huge disservice if they miss, if they dismiss it as the angry lesbian who talks about you know how much life um, affected her and blah blah blah. It, it let go of any. Do your best to go into it 
as open as you can and be ready to have some feels, to have some heavy thoughts because it is balls out honesty in a way that I haven't experienced since Tig Notaro. And even then, Tig lets us be okay with the laughter, with the, you know, she, she kind of ends it up with, you know, but it'll be okay. Well, I might not be okay, but you'll be okay. Like, you know, she, <laughs> like it's a joke to cover going, well, I'm about to have a double mastectomy here and things might be not so good. Um, Hannah doesn't let you do that. And I think it's very important that she does not. Um, and again, I watched this yeah, it must have been longer than a month ago now, but everybody's talking about it. Do not dismiss this as a buzz piece. Do not dismiss this as something that is specific to a type of person who only they will get these jokes. Literally, everybody should be watching this thing. So we're strange this week. Well, we're strange every week. But what's making you strange this week, Juliana? So do you remember a couple of weeks ago, I was like, these are the books that I go through yeah. that I, I usually carry around with me, some combination. Um, I want to do the same thing with uh, some of the podcasts that I listen to. Please, yeah. That pull to me specifically as an actor. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. It's morning. Yay. So these are, these are some, some of the podcasts I listen to that help me specifically as an actor. Ready? Yep. All right. I'm going to go through these quickly, <clears throat> but we'll link them. Dissect, which is a serial look at um, music albums. Ah. Mm, uh, I'm in. In production, if you want to be able to put on your producer hat, it's a good one. Binge Mode um, is a recap podcast, recaps um, film and television. Oh, uh, no. Actually, I think it's just television. Um, television that one would binge. Uh, I think this is important if you're an actor who uh, wants to be aware of what else is happening out there, what's going over, what's not going over. Again, more producery type thing. Uh, Anna Ferris is Unqualified is a podcast um, that's hosted by the good and great Anna Ferris, who you know from big and small screens. But you also get like little nuggets of like um, inside information, like Got it. What's, what's it like to have that kind of life? Fantastic. Um, all right, WTF is Mark Marin's podcast. Yes, Mark, right, 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 right. And a comedian, but he is also in the fantastic show Glow. He is interviewing playwrights, actors, directors. This is an important, like, we need to be paying attention to the, the thoughts uh, that are rattling around in these minds, whether we like their work specifically or not. Um, a lot of great information. The podcast that I refer referenced specifically in this episode is The Moment with Brian Coppolin. Wonderful stuff. Writers, actors, directors, thinkers. Yep. You Must Remember This is, um, you, do you know this? Karina Longworth, uh, she's talking about basically classic film, um, digging deep uh, through classic film stars and um, you know backstory type information. Really interesting. Bill Simmons is a sports writer. You probably know him more than I do. Yeah. Every, but he is, he does hang around a lot of actors and directors. So every now and then you'll get a Judd Apatow or a Sharon Stone uh, interview. Let me just tell you something. The reason, this is such an interesting format, podcasting, right? Because people feel all of a sudden much more, when they don't have a camera in their face, People are getting real, they're getting honest, they're getting quite candid, and, yep. and because these are all long form, they're giving you a lot of juicy details, not salacious, but like, 
lots of great information right. about um, not just how to navigate this field, but like some really good acting advice. Um, so it's the context in which these actors and directors and writers are speaking that makes it so special, right? To give us this information. Yep. Um, my brother, my brother and me, fantastic comedy podcast. If you're interested in improv, I am amazed at the work that these guys do. It's also, you know, just really fun and interesting. Um, yeah, pop culture happy hour. If you, if you, you know, want to know where we're inspired for a lot of our strange things, it comes from places like that. Nice. Um, and Alec Baldwin, if, whether you like him or not, uh, he's got a podcast that's called Here's the Thing, where he does interview a lot of theater, uh, Broadway professionals, cool. um, which makes it a little different than from the Brian Koppelman. He's is mostly working with film professionals. Yep. Um, Alec Baldwin does interview quite a few theater greats. Um, so I feel, feel like that's an important um, uh, piece of media to consume if you're a theater actor. And of course, there's a new podcast um, by these two girls. Uh, it's called Strange Deer. Um, and it's <laughs> and listen. Oh, I stole our idea. Who are these bitches? I mean, I'm going to have to I'm gonna change the crap out of myself. In this uh, if you're a listener, if you like what we do, uh, uh, in any way, shape, or form, we would love your reviews um, and your your uh, insight that you have to throw our way. Let me just tell you this, okay? Most of the, with the, with the exception of Karina Longworth and and Binge Mode, these are male-led interviews, right? Mm -hmm. I love men. I love men. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Okay, that yay. Um, <laughs> but let's uh. I, I'm inspired, uh, and, and there's no reason why we can't have more um, female-led, yeah. uh, interest, interesting interviews going out there. Kay, I would love that for us. Oh, I'd love to, yeah. Stretch Deers, if you know of, of some podcast that we should be listening and, and to and be inspired by, throw it our way. Throw it up in the comment on Facebook, Instagram. It's so interesting. You, it's so interesting you're bringing that up because I actually, and this is, it's something that's since ended, but you know uh, Paula Tompkins? Yes. Uh, and his YouTube interview series, uh, Speakeasy, which he ended a couple years ago now, but I only recently discovered it, and it's amazing, and it's hilarious, and he's Paul F. Tompkins in his Paul F. Tompkins style, sitting at a bar, looking like it's about 40 years ago, 50 years ago, uh, uh, talking to current entertainers and a lot of stand-up right. comedians and stuff, but I'm sitting here going, there's a lot of white male here. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's nothing wrong with what they're doing, and I don't... Oh, no, I, not I, at all. It's just, yeah. If anything, I'm envious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. But <laughs> I, want that to be, I want that to be us. You yeah. know, there's pseudo queens. There's throwing shade. You know, there are a lot of women, obviously my favorite podcast in the world, My Favorite Murder. There uh -huh. are women doing a lot of really great work. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, it's, it is something just to note that still in this, uh, in the acting world, yes, there is a whole lot of white male, uh, when truly, uh, in reality, a lot of us girls are kicking around. A lot of people of color doing give the, ladies, give the ladies and give the diversity a chance. That's all we're saying. Um, so I don't want to end this on a weird dark place in what's making me strange this week, but as I said at the beginning of as, as I said at the beginning of the episode, um, you know, Juliana's the one who's actively in crazy rehearsal land right now, doing multiple shows on top of each other. We've inverted uh, towards this end of the year. Uh, the our roles have reversed, so I've had time to kind of stop and think about things, or I've had a, 
availability in my brain to kind of let some things in. Um, two of my personal favorite podcasts, I guess, is uh, this is how I'll tie to you. Um, I always love the Jillian Michaels show. Uh, yes, she's the old Biggest Loser trainer, but please divorce the Biggest Loser from her. Or she hilariously talks about, yes, it got her famous, but it's amazing to travel around, especially in non-English speaking countries, to have people identify and you go, oh, you're the Big Loser. Oh, <laughs> Big Loser. Like, that's me. Jillian is way more than what NBC lets you see. Um, she is... I'm sure she a lot has, of reality stars could say that. Oh, my God. She she is a very, much more holistic weight loss person. Um, and I think that's especially important to point out right now, given the fact that there's a lot of bad buzz about uh, things that are going on behind the scenes of Biggest Loser, if there's a reason she left. Anyway, so she's one of my favorite go-to podcasts, but I also adore the Thomas Jefferson Hour uh, with Clay Jenkins. I'm such a nerd, and I will say that doing 1776 brought this into my life. Um, But Clay Jenkinson is a humanities scholar who has been professionally portraying Thomas Jefferson for 30 plus years now. Um, And it's funny because people just assume he's some sort of a historian or that was somehow his, you know, presidential studies were his focus. It's not. Um, It's just something he... It's something that he fell into doing um, in the 80s when we were but small children. Uh, And he... First of all, he breaks from the Colonial Williamsburg style of talk as far as being in character and being locked within your era. He, I would say wisely, is portraying Jefferson beyond his time, who has some knowledge of our now. And by putting Jefferson there, he is able to talk about events that are happening now. Interesting. And that's, putting, really, that's a really interesting distinction. And I, I think that's why, let me also say, the Thomas Jefferson Hour has been going for about I believe he said 15 years now for at least half of the time he's been portraying Jefferson. And you'd think, how, um, how do you keep that fresh for a man who died in 1826? (laughs) Like, don't you run out of biography at a certain point? And the answer is yes. If you stayed locked in the colonial Williamsburg model, not to take anything away uh, from Bill Barker, who's been playing Jefferson forever, ironically, almost as long as Jenkinson, uh, they just have, very different approaches. Like even Barker gives Jefferson a Southern accent. Jenkinson doesn't do that. Um, uh, And there's a whole other nerdy rabbit trail I could go down about how our conception about what accent sounded like back then is. Oh yeah. Yeah. Don't get me started because I will go on for 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. No, we'll do that as a side thing. That's, that's a peel off episode for some other time. Um, But I bring up Clay because he was talking this week. They do in-character episodes, but they also do out-of-character episodes. Um, and this week he was talking about how he moderates discussions. They get a lot of listener feedback, um, obviously, in both directions. You can't help but get political when you're talking, when you're portraying uh, a dead president, as he, as they jokingly sometimes. His, his co-host, uh, David Swenson, is also remarkable. Um, oh, yeah. David has no history background in it. Really, he started as an engineer who just started becoming the avatar for us in the now talking to President Jefferson yeah. for in-character episodes. But right. for out-of-character episodes, because uh, Clay also, in a broader historian, um, he, he portrays a lot of different guys, too. Like, he plays Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, he plays... Um, Oh boy, come on, Kay. He's got he's got a bunch. John Steinbeck, for instance, like he does these in character all the time. Um, and in that context, he, he speaks in a lot of places. Oh, he also plays Meriwether Lewis, so it's in Jefferson's world. But he has a huge Lewis and Clark love. Um, so he winds up moderating a lot of discussions. 
And he was talking about how a lot of times, especially if it's in a heated situation, uh, talking about politics, talking about, you know, he's in the Midwest, he, he's in the Dakotas, there's a lot of Sturm und Drang, um, yeah, there you go. Um, but he said, he's, he's noticed a thing in conversation, and this, this is kind of the holistic takeaway that I've got, not beyond just nerdy Jefferson stuff. Um, he's noticed that a lot of discussions that start off very inflammatory, um, once you've let a person have their sort of primal scream moment where they feel heard, yeah. um, you can actually start to have a real conversation. And that reminded me so much of uh, what we were talking about last week with uh, Mr. Rogers and his use of silence and how you would ask, and instead of immediately following up an answer with another question, letting the silence sit for a minute and see what else comes out. Yeah. Um, and I think what I was just sort of taking away, because also I really had to throttle how much I allow the news into my world, yeah. uh, because it, it, it'll, it'll tank you like nothing else will. And social media can do it to you as well. I mean, there's a whole other episode here about healthy ways to manage your social media so you can still function. Um, but in talking about, there's just a lot of anger and there are a lot of people who aren't feeling heard right now. And our mistake is in shying away from um, talking or in, or in telling someone that their opinion isn't valid. Because um, the most, it's actually interesting to talk about Jefferson too, because people think we're the most partisan we've ever been. But if you look back at the election of 1800, it's, 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 it's a lot of the same stuff. We go through these periods of hyper-nationalism and hyper-partisan politics. And um, yeah, I think the key in every case is to keep dialogue open, keep discussions going. So that kind of just struck with me because it also tied into last week when we were talking about Fred Rogers and having the conversation and letting people feel heard and then being able to actually maybe, heavens, imagine this, take down some walls and talk. why having an actual running order would be smart, Kay. Okay. <laughs> but who needs a running order when it's on the road and it's off the cuff and it's the end of the episode, guys. Wild and crazy. <laughs> so thanks for listening in this week. Um, as we've been saying, you know, all throughout the episode, if you have feedback for us, check us out at Strange Deer. You can tweet at us. You can um, post on our Instagram. I was going to say tumble at us, but that could be weird. Uh, and I don't think anybody, literally nobody says that. Um, you can email us at strange at true deer, strange com. I can speak. Truly, I can. Um, gmail.com. Gmail. What? I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. It's fine. It's fine. You know how to find us. Uh, the, the graphic will tell you everything you actually need to know. Don't listen to this person. And if you're listening to the episode and can't see the graphics, well, that's just too bad for you. Uh, <laughs> You're obviously tech savvy enough to be able to find this. This is how you retain listenership and viewership, Juliana. You insult them. That's so it. on that note, I will. We will let you go, uh, Juliana. Just remember to stay strange, dear. But not in a way that gets you arrested, because I don't have bail money. I can't even speak today. <laughs> oh, you did a mother. I said.